Hi, and welcome to this week's LGBT Wellness Podcast. Each week, LGBT HealthLink, a program of Centerlink, brings you a roundup of some of the biggest LGBTQ wellness stories from the past week. Get ready to listen and learn lots. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another week of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. As always, remember that you can go to blog.lgbthealthlink.org if you want to find the written version of this roundup that has links to all of these great stories. Let's jump into our first one, Providers Say No to Care Bans. The Journal of the American Medical Association reported that healthcare providers are speaking out against bills seeking to ban gender-affirming care, particularly for youth. They argue that this type of care is medically necessary and can save lives and is being targeted for improper purposes. Additionally, they argue that it is stepping into the provider-patient relationship, and in some cases really upending that relationship where laws would require providers to quote-unquote turn in patients um, who are seeking to access this type of care. A new law in Arkansas, as well as an executive order in Texas, both of which would ban certain types of gender-affirming care, are both being blocked right now as courts investigate advocates' concerns, so it's great to see providers continuing to speak out and contribute to this um, to this legislation against these laws, um, but, you know, we're, we're all kind of waiting to see um, what's going to be uh, permitted to continue um, by the courts. Next up. Supplement use high among trans men. Eating Disorders published a study finding that use of appearance and performance enhancing drugs and supplements, or APEDS, was common among transgender men, transgender women, and non-binary folks, but it was particularly high among trans men, of whom more than 45% had used APEDS at some point during their lifetime. Furthermore, both trans men and non-binary individuals saw the use of APEDS associated with a range of health issues, including disordered eating and muscle dysmorphia symptoms. The results show the importance of this type of product being monitored by health professionals, especially when it's tied to something complicated like someone's gender identity, which also, you know, may be something that they're seeking other forms of care for. So, you know, these, these APEDs are not necessarily harmful, um, but it's the type of thing where, you know, especially if it's being used to kind of treat gender, um, gender dysmorphia, it, it may not be the, the best route for people to go um, when it's kind of self-medicating and, you know, not being monitored um, by a physician to make sure that it's a healthy use. So um, definitely an interesting um, issue. Uh, and this, this study, like many that we cover here on the podcast, was made possible because of the PRIDE study, um, which is a big uh, study of LGBT health that's gathering all sorts of interesting data. And this is an example of researchers taking and using that data um, to look at an issue that we don't have um, too much information on so far. Now our next story, VA celebrates LGBT health. The U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs celebrated LGBTQ Health Week with a post noting the importance of veterans, and really all people, being able to openly discuss their sexual orientation and gender identity with their providers. Not only is this self-identification a, quote, basic right, unquote, according to the VA, but there are also positive health effects that they discuss um, when healthcare providers know one's identity and how to serve that patient. 
They also shared a series of fact sheets, which personally I was impressed that they, you know, really go into specific subgroups within the LGBT population. For example, there was one all about non-binary veterans. Um, they talk about the specific needs of this population, go over some of the definitions related to this population, and importantly, um, they also talk about strengths and resiliency of these different groups. So um, definitely a nice post and some nice resources that I personally had not come across of um, prior to this. And now we're going to travel a bit for our next story, trans care in New Zealand. Family Practice published a study examining the healthcare experiences of trans adults in New Zealand. They found that the most commonly reported supportive behaviors that trans people found with their primary care doctors were being treated equitably and with competence and respect. Trans folks who had more negative experiences while seeking health care had higher levels of distress, self-injury, and suicidality, while those who had better experiences had lower levels of distress and lower likelihood of having attempted suicide in the past year. The results helped to both highlight some common supportive behaviors that providers can practice and also to show the positive and negative health associations that result from their choices. Next up, contraceptive use among trans men. LGBT Health published a study finding that transmasculine individuals were prescribed less oral contraception and long-acting reversible contraception by healthcare providers than were cisgender women. On the other hand, transmasculine folks were more likely than cisgender women to have hysterectomies. There were also differences depending on whether public insurance, so in this case Medicaid, or private insurance was being used by the individual. Researchers say that the results show the importance of access to knowledgeable, inclusive providers, as well as comprehensive health insurance coverage, because some of these differences may reflect barriers for trans folks in accessing reproductive and sexual health services. I mean, it's, it's clear that some of these differences may be because of um, different wants, different needs, different goals with respect to health care. But especially when we start to see differences depending on what type of insurance people have, that suggests that maybe there's just not the access to the full range of services that people might want or that people don't even know what their options are because they're not getting those options um, from a provider. And in our final story of the week, tough conditions await immigrants. ABC News reported on the situation facing trans immigrants who come to the U.S. seeking to escape violence from certain countries abroad, only to often experience discrimination and victimization here in the U.S. as well. Those seeking gender-affirming care also find that while it is more available in the U.S. than it is in much of Latin America, there are also still major barriers here, um, and as we talked about earlier on the podcast, many jurisdictions are actively working to add more barriers to accessing trans-affirming care. The reality for those coming to the U.S. is that um, they may find that some aspects of transgender rights are more advanced here, and some services might be more available, but the U.S. still has a very long way to go. That concludes another week of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. Don't forget that if you want to check out any of these stories yourself, you can go to blog.lgbthealthlink.org where you will find all the links. And I hope you'll tune in next week to another edition of our Roundup.